So you light bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames But Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got a podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Welcome back to the We Like That Too podcast coming to you quasi live from the Bon Vivant International Media Center or Brad's basement. And I'm Brad. And of course, joining me is the head Bon Vivant himself. Mr. Keith in low. I got a question. Dude. What's the difference between quasi live and semi live or almost live? I was bored with semi live. <laughs> so I changed it up. Did this, did Is this... quasi live any relation to quasi moto? <laughs> Humping to please. Hey, it is hump day. It is hump day. We're recording on a hump day. We normally don't do that. That's but... more than mere coincidence. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, it's just us today. Yep. So yours truly. Yours, yours truly and, and mys truly. Yep. That ours truly. Ours Welcome truly. back, everybody. We're glad to have you. Hey, before I forget, Brad, you know, something, uh, you know, we have our three top picks with every show and something that I wanted to make sure we mention to our Bon Vivants out there. Go to our, either our website, send us an email, or just do it on our Facebook page and give us some three top pick categories what would you like us to do three top picks of because um we can come up with them but sometimes i think we get uh in a rut or we're challenged sometimes to keep it fresh and unique and i would love to hear from the listening audience to get some three top pick categories i would too because it you know when you do enough of these shows you start you're right you start thinking um, let's see. And then you come up with maniacal ones like the one we picked today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to beg like, off on this one today because it is so difficult and music is such, you know, you're going to have to teaser. This is a teaser. You're going to have to wait it out to find out what it is. That's right. But music is such an important part of my life. This was nearly impossible today. So, And nice segue. Speaking of music, yeah. of course, we would like to thank our musical director, Mr. David Baker. Yeah. I've been negligent in thanking Dave. Dave did the We Like That Too theme song. That thing is an earworm. You know what? Yeah, I know. You get that in your head. It does kind of get in your head. You walk around humming it all day. He's working on his album, and he's getting pretty close Good. to getting it done. And you know what happened with Friends? That was just a short little thing and it became a deal and so he had to add verses to it i think that if he would put this on his album that would happen too we are going to have him back he is a friend of the show so once that album gets released and we have some stuff to talk about and he can play some new songs off of it we will definitely have david back on the show yep i want to and i also want to congratulate he and the band because they went over to kansas yeah, city that was a big deal had a Big ass concert, a big crowd. For those of you that don't know, there's a thing called the Power and Light District in Kansas City. It's right downtown. 
it's a it's huge ca- entertainment it's, it's zone. It's a big yeah. complex, yeah. and all of the bars and restaurants kind of feed out into a main courtyard area where they have an amazing live entertainment venue there. Yes. Huge. I mean, great big speakers, and they've got a big screen TV up behind him. I mean, it's real big time. Yeah. And they had a big crowd. It looked great. The, the I didn't get to go. The pictures looked phenomenal. And they've done that. This, this may be their second or third time up there. They're developing a following. They are. They've been and, asked back, um, and I think that's the that's the coolest part of it because yeah. the first time, I think they were in one of the bars, yeah, and they have definitely moved outside to the big stage. Yeah, so that Power and Light District Entertainment Zone is a nice, nice section of Kansas City if you want to go here. Live music, good food, good good beverages. It's, it's a really it's, cool place. It's all right there. And it's right across the street from, I don't know, who is it still the Sprint Center? The Sprint Center, yeah. yeah. Where you go see the big arena shows. Right. So a lot of people will go down there to pre-party before an arena show. This is back when they were having arena shows. Well, and, you can't uh, tailgate. start up again. You can't tailgate very easy. And, you know, when, when Jimmy came, when Buffett came, they had uh, two or three trap Jimmy, rock. you're on a first name basis. With y- yeah, he's going to be on the show. JB, J- JB for my, short. My buddy JB. <laughs> but they had two or three trap rock bands that played there yeah. at, there at the PNL, and that was um, that was fun. It was almost as good as tailgating. It's a cool place if you're in Kansas City for anything. Go to the Power and Light District. It's a fun place. Hey, we also want to do another shout out since it's going to be since it's like Baker Palooza here. I want to thank uh, Tom Baker for having us on his podcast, Bravo Creative Podcast, brother Tom Baker. Uh, we were his featured guest. It was kind of fun being on the other side of the microphone uh, yeah, for that thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a that was a good time. So yeah, go check out Bravo Creative. Tom is is really into independent film and has had some really cool opportunities. And we're going to have Tom back on the show. Right. And I'm kind of glad that we waited because he's got some cool stuff coming up. Yeah, he's in the middle of production on some really cool stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I, we want to talk to him after he gets through with, with a few of those things. So you know, and, that's going to be fun. And speaking of all things Bon Vivant and the things that we like, Another podcast that you and I always talk about are our two friends with uh, Wine Access Unfiltered. Vanessa, Vanessa and, and Amanda. Amanda. Yes. They are so fun. So, you know, I don't I don't consider them competition because they're in a different world and a different league than we are. But but, but I bet I bet somebody is going to say there's a couple of guys in the Midwest that really would love to have you on their Somebody's going to say that. Somebody is going to say that. Right. Yeah. So I listened to the one today, actually. Did you? Peter Billingsley. Oh, yes. No, I, I caught it the other day. Yeah, Peter <laughs> Billingsley was on the latest episode. A really good one. Yeah. And he's good friends with Vince Vaughn and with John Favreau. Yep. And, um, they're, they're, they're wine buddies. Yeah, they are. They're wine buddies. And, and, uh, Peter Billingsley, for those of you who don't put two and two together, he's the little kid from the Christmas story movie. You'll put your eye out, kid. Yeah, you'll put your eye um, out, kid. But since that time, he has become a major director and producer. Yeah, he's a big time director and producer. And they were rattling off a couple of them. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Iron Man. He and, and Favreau have uh, teamed up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, so uh, it was, it was, a, it's yeah. always a good show, but a really down to earth guy. I yeah. mean, a great episode and, and not pretentious about wine at all, just likes it and knows what he likes. And so that's what I like about their podcast. It always, it doesn't matter who the guest is. They really keep it down to earth. And, they do. Uh, and you learn stuff. Yeah. Those I girls, always learn these stuff. These girls know their wine business. Yeah, they do. They, they really do. do. So. But they're so straightforward with it. The biggest thing I've learned from them 
is their pairing of junk food with fine wine and the <laughs> bring on that bowl of popcorn, popcorn and Chardonnay. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. So, so yeah. anyway, that's something to listen to out there if you're looking for other podcasts, and uh, we don't mind sharing that one because we like that one too. We do too. Yeah. Hey, want to talk about food for a minute? Sure. Okay. Always. You okay. Me? Are you kidding? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Squeeze me? What? Does a bear wear a funny hat? <laughs> Okay, so um, the assistant uh, producer and I went down uh, to the lake, and we, I had a meeting at, at Old Kinderhook, beautiful place down there, one of the best golf courses yes. at the lake. Yes, And they gave us room, and the next day, actually, I was looking through one of the, the really cool lake magazines down there, and in Camdenton, Missouri, which is just close to, to uh, Lake of the Ozarks, they have a new barbecue place down there. Called appropriately Smokin' Jones. So how oh. so how bad could that be? No, that's nice. Yeah. So we went down, and uh, Mike Jones is the uh, the owner, and uh, we got there pretty early. So consequently, we did get their burn ins. Nice, and it was a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, let's see, I had their mac and cheese, which was delicious. I had the cornbread. Um, you sent me a picture. Egg. That mac and cheese looked yeah. righteous. Oh, it was righteous. Yeah, it was righteous. And it was so a big old heaping pile of it too. It was my goodness. It what we had was was enough for two of us, but we each got one. And then Mike comes over and says, "Hey, here you go." And brings us a little sampler platter of all the other meats. So nice. there's a turkey, and they had a big old uh, sausage that was just full of cheese. I Ooh. mean, oh, it was uh, pepper jack nice. cheese. And let's see, we had the ribs, and we had the brisket, and a big old slab of ham. And you said he's good friends with John Biggs, he knows, who was on, he, the, he on and, the podcast he and John, earlier. He and John Biggs, so he yeah, and I had a nice smoke. Yep, yeah. he and I had a nice little conversation. Cool, cool guy. They've been open since uh, 2020, open in the middle of a pandemic. But they're building a beautiful outdoor patio area right out front. And I would say... You go down five, maybe a couple miles, yeah. and he's on the left. Yeah. So big recommendation, two, oh, cool. th- two thumbs up to uh, the other brother Jones down there, and uh, get a, get a chance to uh, to go back. No, re- no so, relation though, right? No, that not that I know of. You just wish you had a a family in to get the the good stuff. That would be good. We well, got, you know, we sort of got the family sampler platter, evidently. For yeah, you, know, you did something we, right. We mentioned Jones, and all of a just, sudden, more food having, came out. Just for having the right last name. We and we knew it was a good place because we had most of law enforcement from Camden County were in there. Ah, there you go. All the sheriffs. That's always a good sign. Brenda made a friend. I said, "There's no way we can eat all this." So we had little bites, and we gave the rest of the sheriffs. So. <laughs> Hey, that's good lobbying there, Keith. No kidding. So, no kidding. so you know, so I'll tout another barbecue place. You've heard me talk about this one before, but you know, I travel weekly for my job. So down in Springfield, Missouri, my favorite spot when I'm down there is called Bubba's. Bubba's and Bubba's ribs. I get these cravings for them. Like I'm like, oh man, I need to go to Springfield so I can get some Bubba's. And I bring them home to my dad. And Bubba's has really good ribs. I don't know what he does, but he does it right. The other thing that they do, they have a sandwich. I call it a sandwich. It's called Three Pigs. And I ordered it the first time I ordered it unknowingly. A pound from each one? Yeah. It's almost like a pound of – it's like it's ham, pulled pork, sausage, and maybe something else. I don't know. But it's like – it's one of those 
you know, man versus food type sandwiches where they stick the knife down through the middle of it to hold it all together. You cannot, you cannot even begin to get halfway around one of these things. So if it's you like, can, if you can finish this a, in five minutes and not puke, yeah, you don't have to pay for like, it. I'll take a three pig sandwich and a to go box. Cause <laughs> just bring, just give me the to go box now. There's no way you can eat all this thing, but it's excellent barbecue. So Bubba's in Springfield. And I think they have a couple of locations there. He, um, Mike's got a place called Jones Trading Post. Trading Post, yeah. I think it's. I've, I haven't been. It's on down south a little bit, but anyway. So well, that was cool. fun. Yeah, that was a fun afternoon. We ended up um, just wandering around, being tourists, and we went down. And they were having the big boat races down there at the lake, and so they had all the big boats all lined up uh, down at the strip there, which is. Which is, I'm really pleased to see that the strip has finally come back, yeah. and there's some, so there's some cool places to eat, and there's a few watering holes down there. Those power boats are something else. Oh man, they're big. You know, they're like motorcycles to me. I'm in awe of them, and I'm enamored with them, but I'm I don't, ter- want, I don't I'm want, terrified of them. I don't want one. I would never want to be in one or on one. <laughs> like to look at them, like to touch them, and look at them from afar, but I don't really want to get. Involved. Brenda and I usually the last couple of times we've stayed a couple extra days down in Key West, and and the you know the three biggest weeks down there are Fantasy Fest, and then Meeting of the Minds when all the right. Parrothead get, and then the international boat races. Yeah, and some of these guys will be down there. Yeah. We were yeah. we were talking to a couple of them, and so they're going to be down there. But the the way they do it down in in Key West is they're like six across, and when those things fire up, Keith, I mean. You can hear, feel a rumble in your loins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are the power when you got six of them and they all run out around this little island and, and back and yeah. they do these circles. It's, it's, it's it really, really I'll tell you cool. What else is cool is to watch them crane those things into the water. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. They get these big straps on them and, you know, crane them over from the trucks. Well, they're so big. Yeah. They, there's some of them are turned side. Yeah. They have to turn the them big formula ones are, yeah. are turned side. Turn them side. They transport them that way too. They transport them on, on yeah. an angle. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, so that was fun. We wandered, we just wandered around. They got a new place, you know, where, where Beavers was right down there. Uh, it's now the Neon Taco and they've put a, <laughs> They, okay. And the, the whole place is this this neon pink and green and blue, and it's very bright. It's very clean. They've done a beautiful job, and they put a new bandstand down there and cool. stuff. But it's right on the water, so it was ground zero for those for those races. It was, well, it, was it neat. is it is summer, and we are happy and thrilled to see stuff opening up and people getting out, and people are getting out. Isn't that the truth? So be safe. Still, you know, we want to be safe. Get vaccinated if you haven't. Uh, let's kick up this economy and i'm really excited about stuff to come so i am too especially live music entertainment you bet entertainment and all the stuff we like so yeah speaking of stuff we like yeah we we are what you watch several minutes well no i'm i want to drink something i'm getting thirsty (laughs) (laughs) remember the wait a minute let's get our priorities straight brad let me remind you what's the first thing in our subtitle one bottle one bottle let's get to the bottle all right let's do that speaking of summer i thought you're saying good segue because our our bottle today is a patio pounder. It is a patio pounder. If you will do the opening, I oh, will. Yes. I will talk about this. Just let's make sure the audience can hear the. Just <laughs> me open this. Yes. Wait. Let me turn the FX up on this. So. Hey, that was pretty good. It's a screw cap. Other other than you thumping your mic, that was that wasn't bad. That's all right. Okay, this is a Santa Carolina. It is a Sauvignon Blanc from Lida Estate. 
which is a a very heralded estate in Chile. Chile. It is on the coast, therefore it uh, it's a cool area of Chile because yeah. the the winds blow off of the um, the ocean. They have several things. They make a they make a, um, a pinot noir, which I would think would grow very nicely, probably coastal. Sure. Um, that part of Chile has a very sandy, granity, granity, granity. Is that a word? Granite. It is now granite laden soil. Go. So, as we taste this, um, don't be surprised if it has uh, quite a minerality to it. That is, um, and this is not. A, this, this is, is lovely. This is not an expensive wine. This is a thirteen well, to fifteen dollar uh, wine. But um, Santa Carolina or Lena? Probably Carolina. Carolina. Yep. Yeah. So it's Chilean. So so lovely pale yellow color. It's a gorgeous color. Beautiful in the glass. Yep. You know, I think we've never There's talked. A lot of, we've never talked about this, but I think I think I did probably have an aha moment with wine one time, and, yeah. it, and it happened to be. On a vacation a long time ago, and it was a Chilean uh, Cabernet, and it was truly one of the best Cabernets I think I've ever had. And I, I realized there's a whole world of wine out there, and Chile has, has historically produced some really, really wonderful wines. I love South American wines, Chilean, Argentinian. I, I really love them. This has got a great nose. This has got a lot of minerality on the nose. It's got a lot of minerality so, in the mouth, too. Well, I like that. I know you and I don't always agree on that kind of stuff, but this tastes like this is. I don't know about you. It's like drinking a pear. I get a. I get a lot of pear. There's not as much acid on the palate as there is on the nose. To me, I expect a lot more limestone, a lot more of that granite, but I don't taste it as much as I smell it. That's good. No, that I do taste. There's a lot of pear. That's, fruit forward. I, I get pear. Yeah. yeah, it's fruit forward. And let's face it, we just opened it, so um, it's a little cool. little citrus. It's a little cool. It's it's very definitely citrusy, but you know, but very good, very drinkable. Yeah, a Sauvignon Blanc, and especially on a hot summer day on the patio, like this one, would go like, down really nicely. Like the ones we got going on right now. Yeah, you bet. So, so very good, Santa Carolina Sauvignon Blanc from Chile. And where can we find this, Keith? Our bottle sponsor. Barvino, beautiful downtown Jefferson City. Thank you, Matt Green. Matthew is our uh, he is our found, he's he our, is the personal sommelier he's of a the WLTT uh, podcast, and he's a he charter is. sponsor. That's so. right. So, where would we be without him? I I don't know. Dry, <laughs> dry and depressed. So that's where we would be. So yours truly episodes, we usually talk about stuff we're watching, reading, listening to. So that's kind of what we're into today. I wanted to say before we got into what we're watching and listening to, and this uh, dovetails with a previous episode, a recent episode about the tasting in Paris. You know, we celebrated the tasting in Paris, and I have seen the movie Bottle Shock. I had not read the book by Mr. Tabor that you recommended. You let me borrow it. Phenomenal book. Bon vivants out there, if you want a history of not only the judgment in Paris, that's that's sort of a sideline to this book. You don't get to the judgment until about halfway oh, through. Oh, you're the over book. halfway through the book. Yeah. This is an if you want an education in the history of California wine and predominant California wineries, this is the book to read. And actually some of the critiques and the reviews that I read of this book say that. Yeah. Exactly. It's like this is a history of California wine. 
a compendium of California wine. It's a great book. It is a wonderful I learned, book. I have learned so much. I'm not through. I'm not through it yet. The other thing that I really learned was the movie takes some artistic license. <laughs> we understand that they always do. But I was surprised to learn that Spurrier, the guy who set up the judgment in Paris, he was not trying to put down the French when he did it. In fact, he just thought it would be an interesting experiment to taste other wines along with French wines. He was never trying to outdo the French, never thought they would outdo the French. But he was not trying to um, make them look bad or anything like that. His his wine shop was in Paris. He didn't want to he didn't want to tick off the his and, patrons. And Keith, he was he was a bit of a P.T. Barnum too. He was a bit of a showman, you know. Yes. And it was seventeen, uh, the birthday of the United States, and that he was thought, the bicentennial. Yeah, and he thought, ah, this this could be, you know, this would be so much fun. But I, I, I mean, he had a part, a business partner who uh, worked with him. She was not depicted in the movie at all. No, and but she, she was, was very, instrumental she in was this very, judgment, yeah, setting she was, things up. She was yeah. very important to Spurrier and his whole his whole wine business and. And uh, people don't realize that uh, Spurrier actually had a wine school that he started uh, for expats and stuff. Yes. And the French were like uh, – They loved it. Why, why don't you do this for us? You yeah. know? And he so he had, to get, he had to get a French-speaking uh, person to come in and teach the classes and, and that class of his was – was Sold out, really famous. Yeah, he was selling out that class. Yeah, yeah. The Tabor book, though, I, there was a, a couple of observations about the Tabor book. First, <laughs> I wish that you know they had done the tasting actually in this beautiful little fr- <laughs> French courtyard. Uh, they did it at the Intercontinental Hotel, and they had to get out of there by six o'clock because they had a wedding reception. I mean, that's right. the reality of of the thing. As far as Mister Tabor is concerned, the thing I enjoyed most about the book is he was it. Yep. He was the one that was in the room. No other journalist there. No other journalist there, but he brings – he had to get his dig in because he said, I didn't realize how many other journalists were there until I started reading uh, quotes and things about what was going on that in that was. room. Funny thing is, they weren't there. That was funny. <laughs> and he was he – was, he actually had quotes from all these publications of people who were reporting on it but weren't there and got it completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so if you get a chance, uh, it's called Jud- great, Judgment, Judgment of Paris, Paris. Uh, by a guy named Tabor. Uh, look it up. It's a for it's you a great for, book for you bon vivants and you winos out there, man. It's this is a wonderful, wonderful history book. You'll enjoy yeah. it very. And much. it reads. It's very entertaining. It's not just like uh, you know history of wine. It's a very entertaining read. Yeah, Some, because the get, people involved are entertaining. Exactly. You go into the characters. You've got, yeah, there's some characters in that early wine, California wine development. And uh, to get to know those people, and you got a lot of fun. everything. You got everything from hippies to oh, yeah. to you know financiers and lawyers and stuff. You know what they all had in common? None of them knew squat about making wine before they went. They knew they liked wine. They knew they wanted to get <laughs> except into it. For, except for a couple, a couple of them, of them they yeah. they for the most part, you know, they were just kind of trying to see what happened, and consequently. Some of the m- most innovative things to happen in wine in 500 years happened after World War II up to this date in California. That was the other thing. It was such a short time period. You know, after Prohibition, a lot of those wineries were dormant. They right. were overgrown. When these people went in and bought them, they had to totally – vines had been ripped out to, to plant fruit trees. The innovation and the revival of the California wine industry happened after World War II. Yeah. Between 1946 and 1976 – 
is when the judgment was yeah. and, and, you know, moving forward. So this is recent history. This is not ancient history. So if you go, if you go to California and you see established 1889 or 1890, that may be true and right. they probably did plant some vines and things there. That doesn't mean that they've been continuously no. making wine because they had, they had so many optics, obstacles. I mean, first they had World War One. Right. Then they had Prohibition. Yep. Then they had World War Two. I mean, it was just kind of body blow after after another as far as trying to, to be able to actually, produce anything. There are only actually a handful of wineries that did survive through all of that and kept producing wine. Medicinal at times because well, that was all they could do. And, but. and they were they were the ones that produced the Gallo family. Gallo. They were producing what they called jug wine, and they didn't sell it by the bottle; they sold it by the gallon. Right, and and sacramental about, wine. So part of it was sacramental wine that they were selling to the church, that yeah, kind of thing. So. For about two bucks, yes, a yeah, gallon. Yeah. So yeah, I remember the old Gallo jug. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be putting down the old Gallo. No, no, no. Jug. I was too young to drink it, but I remember seeing it. So um, they hadn't come up with boxes it's, of wine. It's yet. a good. It's a good book. I highly recommend it. Two thumbs up here for Judgment in Paris by Mister Tabor. So yep, look yep. that up. Good. All right. What have you been watching, reading, listening to lately? Okay, I'm going to start off with one that uh, it's it's on Netflix right now, and I kind of wanted to. Wa- I, I really kind of wanted to like this movie. Um, it's called Dancing Queens, and it's Swedish. Have you heard about it? Have you I seen it. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, there's a there's a lady, young lady named uh, Molly Nutley, who, by the way, uh, her mother is the director of the movie so go figure on that yeah um but it's a story of a dancer it's and she her she loses her mother and it's very traumatic because her mother was a dancer and she lives with her grandma and uh, grandma finally says look you've got to get out get over this you know you've got to pull out so why don't you go and uh audition for this big dance troupe and so she she goes for the audition. The only problem was Grandma got the date wrong, and she's—I I assume she's like in Stockholm. She's in one of the big cities, yeah. And so she gets there, and they're like, "Well, dear, um, that was last month." And she's like, well, well, "What am I supposed to do?" And so one of the the older ladies kind of felt sorry for, her and so took her into this side uh, theater. And it's a drag show, and so I saw it. I didn't. I haven't watched it, but I saw the the preview for it's it. It's a drag show, okay. and and I'll just say, up to this point, I was somewhat intrigued. I thought it was it was really pretty good. It's a great premise. The premise is good, but then I guess I mean, how much of this should I give away? I mean, uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe spoiler alert. Thing. Maybe not the whole thing, but uh. all right. Well, spoiler alert. We. We waft into the Victor Victoria sort of thing okay. where right. um, she's a great dancer and she befriends the choreographer. Uh, the only problem is she's a girl. She's, she's yeah. not a drag queen. She's not a drag yeah. queen. But they fix her all up and she goes and she is a sensation. And then, of course – So they, it is the Victor Victoria thing. It is a Victor yeah. Victoria. And, and so huh. then they figure out that, well – She's a girl, and but she has befriended, of course, the drag queens. And the drag queens, they're, they're really pretty funny. They're good characters, and some of the shows and things and the numbers that they do are, are a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Is it subtitled or overdubbed? No, it's overdubbed, but it's not terrible overdubbed. Yeah. Um, some you know, of, you they know do me. a really good job on some of those. Some of them they do, and some, some of them they don't. They don't, and yeah. the ones they don't, it's I'm, hard to watch. I'm, I'm sitting there staring at their mouth, going, yeah. "Hmm." They just kept going two more seconds than what yeah. they just. It's said, hard to watch when it's hard. a bad overdub. Dancing Queen, okay, and what, it's on Netflix. It's on. It's on Netflix. Right. Uh, it's new. It's 2021. Yeah, it just popped up. Um, she she kind of grew up in a arts kind of a house. So is this a series or is it a movie? No, this is it. It's a movie. Okay, yeah, all right, it's done. okay. We've been watching a lot of series lately. We watched the uh, PBS series Atlantic Crossing. Yeah, and we started it, and then we didn't stay with it. And now I can't find where to. Well, you're probably going to have to pay it's, for it. It's, the episodes are done on PBS. You're probably going to have to wait for it to hit one of the streaming services. But it's worth it. We watched the first um, couple. Well, it's historical, good. so that's right. that's good. Um, and it's the story of you know uh, Norway being invaded by the Nazis pre World War II. The royal family has to go into exile. The king and the crown prince go to London, but send the crown princess and the family to Washington D.C., where they're under the watchful eye of FDR. There's implications about the crown princess and FDR and rumors fly, but they don't ever say if anything happened. But she plays an instrumental role in uh, or convincing FDR and the Americans to send some support to the Norwegians and the, the resistance. And it's it's good. It's well done. Um, there are subtitles when they're speaking Norwegian. And the only thing was the last episode was being run during the PBS fundraiser, and they got a fundraiser banner over the subtitles. And I'm like, what? <laughs> take the sub, take the banner down. We're trying to read what these guys are saying. It didn't last the whole movie, but I was so frustrated. It's like, what genius made this decision to do that? So anyway, uh, but it's good. I thought it was worth it. It was really worth it. Kyle McLaughlin. Is, uh, is, plays FDR and does a really good job, I thought. You know, he's from, in his younger days, did Twin Peaks and did Dune and he, it's, a, it's a good cast. It's, you know, it's PBS. It's quality production. Oh, sure. And, production uh, value. Yeah. And they, they don't call it, they don't call it Masterpiece Theater anymore. <coughs> yes, they just it call is it master. Well, the, yeah, it's that the, time slot though. It's that Sunday. The, the Masters. Yeah. The, the, but Atlantic Crossing was good. We liked it. We liked it a lot. The one, the other one I watched, um, and Brenda watched it and said, you know what? This is this is pretty good. Um, Halston. Yeah, you turned us on to Halston. We yeah, watched it too. The mini the mini series. Yeah. Um, and there's also there's also Halston. Uh, as I found out, there's a documentary out there too that's older. That actually has him in it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I don't know anything about it. Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Rodriguez as Liza, who I thought she was. I thought she was. I thought a, she did a really good job. I she was as a good you know supporting character. I didn't realize they had that close a relationship, Halston and Liza. I think I think Liza to a very large extent uh, helped him become Halston. I think so too, based but, on the movie. Yeah, but the acting in it was was good. Halston Halston was one of those people. That I think we've seen it before. You know, he became Halston. He became the the big persona, and consequently, when he did, he he sort of became an asshole, and he he wasn't yeah. a, he wasn't a real nice guy. Well, the know? time period had a lot to do with what you know, he he consumed himself. He almost. did. That's what I got out of it. Yeah. You know, and that was during the Studio Fifty Four days in New York, decadent yep. lifestyles, yeah. cocaine everywhere. Rampant. He was there a lot. Yeah, rampant. You know, just decadent living, and there's a lot of um, 
pretty vivid and graphic sex scenes in it, and so pretty gritty, but I thought it was a good story. It was a good story, and it was certainly directed by somebody that knows their way around because Daniel Minahan. Uh, did Deadwood, which was one of my oh, absolute favorite HBO did specials. Did you like Deadwood? Oh, yeah, I like Deadwood. I couldn't get into it. And There's no way they used the F word that much in the <laughs> Old West. <laughs> you know, mother F or this and mother F or that and F and F and F. And I'm like, this is just gratuitous. It was, just, it was too much. Uh, I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't begrudge anyone who liked it. I thought, I thought Mammoth wrote it. But yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, that was screaming. But anyway, I mean, he did he yeah. did Deadwood, but he also did Six Feet Under and True Blood, and, I just, and 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 did some of Game of Thrones. I just finished Six Feet Under. Now it's an older series, but yeah. you know it's kind of revived. I liked it. It's it's got a weird sort of. Uh, oh, it's dark. Yeah, it's dark humor. It's kind of like watching a train wreck. But there's but some it, poignant mo- moments in it too. And the other thing that you get to see some of these guys when they're coming up. So the guy who plays um, Dexter in the series, Dexter, was in Six Feet Under, you know, before he was Dexter. Yeah, I like Six Feet Under. That was good. That was actually on my list. What else you got? This one I don't know whether to like or not yet. I just finished it, but it is weird, and it is brand new. It's called Sweet Tooth on Netflix. This seems it's schizophrenic. It doesn't know what it wants to be. <laughs> it's based on, and I don't know how long ago it was written, but it's very timely now because it's based on this virus that you know pandemic that takes over the country and people are dying and they're scrambling for a cure and then out of all this there comes this too soon (laughs) (laughs) maybe but but it's you know there's enough separation from because they they throw in this thing with these what they call hybrids so these children that are like hybrid babies and animals it's just weird. It's really weird. But it's good enough that I finished the first season. <laughs> yeah, it's I like stuff like that. I want to run upstairs and watch yeah, that. Yeah, it's right not now. gonna be your cup of tea, I don't think, but that's okay. Um but it's well produced and uh you know, it I don't know, it's just interesting. But it, I, I think it needs to decide. And there's about three or four storylines going at one time. You don't know who the bad you, you think you know who the bad guys are and then they're not and then they are and it's really all over the place so uh i don't can i recommend it don't know but i watched it <laughs> hey bon vivants you know when we like that too was launched we knew very little about what was needed to promote the podcast online that's right so we turned to greg arnold at gaa consulting GAA Consulting was a lifesaver helping us get things started. Greg is a small business owner who loves helping small businesses grow. He takes the time to listen to your business goals. GAA Consulting will custom design your website and create a digital marketing strategy to help you reach those goals. Every project is tailor-made to meet your small business needs and preferences. And Greg can teach you to manage things yourself or... You can hand things over to him and he'll lighten your workload. You know, if your business needs help building an online presence, visit GAAConsultingLLC.com. That's GAAConsultingLLC.com. Custom solutions for your small business needs. And thanks to Greg for sponsoring the podcast. Well, I'm kind of in the middle of one right now, too. It's a it's a new one on Amazon Prime. I got it. I knew I was going to get it. Panic. Panic. That's right. And so uh, this is not a reality show. This is fiction, right? Yes, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's it's about a a small town in Texas, and when the kids graduate from high school, there's a competition. It's like Hunger Games in Texas, and so okay. They collect money the whole time they're in high school for this, and they have these judges that we don't know who they are, and they put these games on through the summer, and the winner gets like $50,000. It's a bunch of money, and so these kids try – to, to earn points by doing this stuff. Well, you know, the, the summer before, two kids got killed. Right. They do incredibly dangerous, stupid things. Right. And yeah. um, I haven't even gotten to all of them yet. I got to the one where they jump off the cliff and they had to jump out, you know, and not hit the rocks. Yeah. Uh, another one where they had to walk across a, a beam that's really high. Anyway, but uh, the characters are interesting, and uh, I'm going to watch it. I think I'll watch the rest of it. I've watched two of them. When you're trolling and you hover, you'll get a little right. trailer. So I, I did see that. Well, the other one I thought you were going to mention is one that you and I are both locked into, and that's The Comiskey Method. One of the best shows oh my ever, gosh. ever. I was so bummed they only had, what, eight episodes? I know, the, and they're like, like, fairly short episodes too. Yeah, they're 30 minutes, 30, yeah. 40, 40 minutes. They're not very long. So I love the show, I, and we already talked about this, but I will express I was not really – I thought the ending was a – a cop out, frankly. I, I thought they they had it set up to where they could go several directions with it, and I thought they took the easy way out. And it was it was kind of counterintuitive to the rest of the series, in that you got this Michael Douglas character who has struggled his whole life, and all of a sudden he gets this. But spoiler alert: he gets an opportunity. So what's it got? I kept waiting for it to for some tragedy to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it, they kind of tie it up with a nice little bow, and it was like, oh, this is just too neat. You guys missed an opportunity here. So I love the performances and everything like that, but uh, I was a little. Uh, do you think let that's down. the last one, though? Do you I, think? Do, I do. You I do. I think they're done. Well, Kathleen Turner was in this this season, and I almost did not recognize her. Yeah, she was. I, in fact, if it hadn't been for that voice, that that bass that, voice, that sort of that iconic, hus, that husky that, that, smoker's voice, that iconic yeah. voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she did, did not look she like did. she did not look like Kathleen Turner. I'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it. Yeah. Just let that. Just she did a fine job. She did a great but, job. Yeah. What uh, else? I've got one. This one's for all of our theater peeps, and you've probably seen it because everybody's nobody. I'm not never the one that sees anything first. Because it came out in 2016, but you know sometimes that doesn't really make any difference as to when it hits Netflix or when it hits Amazon right. Prime. Right? Have you seen the best worst thing that ever could have happened? <laughs> yes. I fear. See, <laughs> damn it. Well, oh, it's I, hilarious. I had not seen it. It was. It was funny. It was touching. It was. I thought it was a, a fantastic documentary. And this is about a Broadway show that flopped. This was a show that was produced by the Prince of Broadway himself, Hal yeah. Prince, yeah, and Stephen Sondheim. You know, a little night music company, yeah. Gypsy. The two of them worked on Sweeney Todd, Phantom of the Opera, some of the you know the biggest shows on Broadway. But they also put together this show called Merrily We Roll Along. Sure, it From, was an old movie. Yes, and it was it was based on an old movie, right? Lonnie Price. 
And for those of you that don't know who Lonnie Price is, think of Neil Kellerman in Dirty Dancing. He was the little man that ran around and tried to act like he was running things. He actually became, um, which I'm sure he'd be really pissed if he was, you know, remembered just for that part in Dirty Dancing, because he was quite a director and did a lot of stuff on Broadway. But he's the one that actually did this documentary. But it was Sondheim, Harold Prince, he was in it, and Jason Alexander was in this show. Yeah. And it was, of course, destined to be one of the greatest shows ever on Broadway. And it was a complete and total flop. I think it ran a week, maybe a week. This documentary, they bring everybody back and they talk to the cast members. And I thought it was really a a, a really good, interesting introspective into actors, directors, um, the anticipation of Broadway and expectation of, of success because this one did not go. As a matter of fact, I think for a couple of the previews, people got up and left. They were leaving. Ooh, yeah, that's never good. It was that bad. And that they, is and, never of, good. and of course, you know, Prince and and Sondheim are like so they sat down and tried to rewrite it a couple of times and it just never got better. Now consequently, over the years, there's been a lot of companies and stuff that have redone it and that have, that have done this show. It did not go very well at all. Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's not the one. And what's it called? It's called Best Worst Thing That Ever Could Have Happened. Okay. The thing that I was thinking of is called The Goes Wrong Show. So you can see my confusion. This, this could have been called that too. <laughs> so The Goes Wrong Show is hilarious. It's about – it's a British sketch comedy show, but it's about this British theater company. And I think it may be a community theater company. I don't think they're professional. But they try to do these plays, and it's like everything that can go wrong. Is this a waiting for Guffman and the British? It, uh, except thing. except they're doing this. They're, they're You see them doing the plays and the stuff going wrong while they're doing them. It's hilarious. And <laughs> – and they have the, you know, they have a company, so the diff- you get to see the different players playing different roles, and they all have a character that their you know, their character is the actor, and then they're playing the role in the play, and so you see the actor coming through. It's just hilarious. The goes wrong show. It's called. It's it's really funny. Um, I thought that's what you were talking about. So well, you need to. You need. You're a theater guy. You would. You need. Yeah, to I'll have this. to look. I'll have to look. It's up. a. It's very. It sounds very, tragic, actually. It 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 kind of is, except there's there's redemption. I think in bringing the folks that were in that show because they were so excited. A lot of them. It was their first Broadway show. Oh yeah. And they were so excited. And, you know, you went to the highest of the high and you went to the lowest of the I low. Bet. I bet. And, I mean, can you imagine you're a kid in 81 and whatever and you get cast in a show with Hal Prince as the producer and Stephen Sondheim right. is, wrote the show? I mean, can you even imagine? Yeah. And, and you could they, – they went through the audition process. They had a lot of old archival uh, footage yeah. and so they showed – it was uh, it was very chorus line ish because sure. you know you you saw the ones that got cut you, and then they're in the room and 
it's all quiet and these people have left and they say, congratulations, you're in the show. And you know, the euphoria of of getting to be in their first show. Cool. And then to find out, oh my God, you know, they, they get through a week and it's, the reviews are absolutely terrible. It's just like, oh. So anyway, but then they come back, you know, the, they, they talk about what the other, what the actors have done since then and stuff. And, uh, you know, Lonnie Price is, I mean, he has done all kinds of directing and really a a lot of stuff as well as this, this wonderful documentary. So anyway, yeah, give it, give it a look. I will. Jason Alexander's in it quite a bit too. And and, yeah, yeah, because they talk, they talk about several of the actors and what they've done since. And some have started acting schools and some have done this. And then they get to Jason Alexander. He said, well, I was in this little television show. It went, went pretty well. (laughs) It was, he was modest about it, but, uh, I think it all, on all of them, it had a, a real impact yeah. on, the, on their lives yeah. because I think they really grew to love each other very much. The, the people that were in that cast, because, like I said, they were a lot of them. It was the first time that they'd ever done anything, and so they had a real kinship with right. everybody that was in that. And it was very much an ensemble kind of a, a show. Anytime you go through a, an emotional, you know, a life moment like that, a life event like that, you share. A kindred spirit with people like that that you go through it with, that's that's easy to understand for me that yeah. they would have a, a kinship there. Well, you know, speaking of more documentary type, I actually told you incorrectly the other day. I'm a huge Eagles fan. You know, they're my favorite group, and so um, I stumbled upon while I was channel surfing two Eagles concert videos they were you know and they were on i i told you they were on amazon they were not they were on access access channel a x i s access channel okay they do a lot of concert videos now this was not ramstein but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it was the uh it was the eagles hell freezes over concert that they recorded and then the farewell tour number one and they were back to back so you can catch on access channel some some concert uh, videos like that that are pretty good. Cool, I love and, I love some of those, and, and some are done better than others. Oh yeah, um, well these but, were great productions. Yeah. You know, very intimate settings, both of them. Uh, great camera work. Obviously, they knew where they were going when they were right. going there. They had they had choreographed everything, and but interesting that the band changed a little bit from the Hell Freezes Over tour to the <laughs> Farewell tour number one. And you know they've changed, it, and the Eagles are touring again this year with Glenn Fry's son and, and Vince Gill. So they're back out on the road. I would love to see them. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. But Vince Vince Gill is not a bad stand-in for any band that ever played anything. The no. man is amazing. He's an amazing guitarist. He's an amazing singer. And you know, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever heard Vince Gill talk about. I've heard he's just a really pretty cool guy. Well, I, I think general. he is, but it, it's kind of funny. I heard him when he got invited to join the Eagles, and he was like a little kid in a candy store. Because <laughs> yeah, well. he said, I always wanted to be in the Eagles. Yeah, And so when they asked him, he was just giddy. And uh, I think it's a great match. And I've heard that the young Fry kid is he's no okay. slouch. He's okay. He holds his own. All right. Yeah. Well, he holds his own. There and, you go. Uh, and I, I think he sounds a lot like his dad. And I've heard they do a good show. 
Well, you've got pretty good material to start. Yeah. To start when you your got source material is pretty good. Your source material is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Rock right. solid. Yeah, That's you right. bet. That's right. What else, man? You've probably seen it. The Zookeeper's Wife. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. That's a good movie. Yeah, very good movie. Uh, That's not new either, but I I saw that did make that popped up uh, recently. It's kind of fun. You'll see some of those older movies pop up, and uh, Zookeeper's Wife is a good one. I liked it. The other thing that uh, I've been watching, and I just discovered this recently, and it's an it's on Amazon Prime, but it's an old Cinemax series called Banshee. Now this thing is gritty. It is violent. It is well. They didn't call it Skinamax for nothing. <laughs> I was say. So there's a lot of skin, a lot of blood and guts, and but it's really pretty cool. It's about this guy who gets out of prison and masquerades as a as a sheriff in a small town in Pennsylvania Dutch country, and gets into all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's you know it's it's a downward spiral from there. But yeah, Banshee, it's pretty good. So. I I hope our buddy Tom Baker gets to see this because I mentioned this to Tom as an independent filmmaker. This is on Amazon Prime, and I ran across this thing. It's called Bastard's Crossing, 12 Westerns in 12 Months. <laughs> now, the way they are touting this thing, it won all sorts of awards or was nominated for all sorts of awards. This is a train wreck. Is this, I got to tell you. Is this commando type uh, this is filmmaking like, type thing? This is got- almost – hey – Johnny, let's get a bed sheet and hang it. In. <laughs> it's these guys had an old barn and an old shack out in the woods, and access to some horses and wagons and western wear, and it is unbelievably bad. What's it on? What's it's it on Amazon up? Prime. It's called Bastards Crossing. Oh well, I got I got twelve at that. westerns in twelve months. So you can imagine how, how long are they? They're just 10, 15 minutes. I mean, are they long westerns? I don't or? know how long they are. <laughs> you didn't get how, how many did you get through? I don't know how long the first one is. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Bastards Crossing isn't like the one one of the twelve, and that's the maybe the only one available. I I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I tried, but I couldn't. You can get through the – there's 12 and you could get through the first one? I couldn't. Oh, it's keep, bad. Well, well, I'm glad you it's gave – bad. I'm glad you gave it a, a really what I kept honest think, try. What I kept thinking was, you know, if these – if this can get on Amazon Prime, <laughs> what in the hell are we doing – what are we doing wrong? Yeah. You know? I know. No. So I don't know. We need to write our script. It's one up. of those. It's it is it is a train. It's you know you almost need to see it because it's so exceedingly bad. In fact, I wrote down exceedingly bad. Exceedingly yeah, bad. It's exceedingly bad. Hey, just so you know, um, senior moment is yeah. on, is on. You can pay for it. You can buy it, but it is on, it's on Amazon. Yes, it's on Amazon it's Prime now streaming with our good friend Gina Goff. Gina Goff, go yep. go back to uh, our list and listen to Gina. Gosh, that was fun. That was a special episode. Yep, a special that we episode released for the uh, premiere of Senior Moment with William Shatner, Gene Smart, Christopher Lloyd. Yep, a fun movie, folks. I will yeah, tell you that it's a, a really it's fun, a movie. really really cute movie. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and we will, and we're going to talk to Gina again. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be a fun relationship. And, and Keith and I are writing a script right now. We'll be sending her, uh, we just don't know what it's going to be yet. So, (laughs) as a, (laughs) as as a part for two 
middle-aged podcasters <laughs> from the Midwest. Gina hears this. She goes, shit, I can't wait for that. She's got to change her I, numbers what she's going to do. I, I, bet she, I bet she's sitting by the mailbox waiting yeah. for that one. Yeah, so. she's going to change her number. Yep, yeah. probably so. All right. Well, that's that's fun. It's always fun to talk about what we're watching and listening to. Yep. Um, and eating and, and eating. We've covered a lot of stuff today. We well, you know, heard. because it's what we like. and It is. That's what this show is all about. Yep. All right. One bottle, two friends, three top picks. So here is the maybe one of the most difficult three top pick categories we've chosen. And we've and we've picked some pretty we've, hard ones. Yeah. yeah. So this was I don't even know where this came from. Uh it came from probably our radio list. Three top songs that you could take with you if you were stranded on a desert island. You can only listen to these three songs. You have the ability to play them. Three songs. And this is like, oh my God. There was one that came to mind that I really wouldn't want if I was on a desert island because you never know how you got there. But, you know, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald would probably be a bad choice. Oh, gee, <laughs> Would probably be a bad choice. That'd be way down on my list. <laughs> but it's well, long. So, so here's the other things like, all right, you're, so you're stranded on a desert island, but what's the circumstance? Is this Castaway or is this like, uh, Gilligan's Island? Is this, are limited to these three songs. I didn't overthink it that much. Ah, uh, well, you know, I was I was thinking more the castaways type. Yeah, thing, I took it know? from. I, I did too. Uh, I took and the it from only that thing aspect. that the only thing that you you got to save was your iPod, which you know the salt water, the salt water eroded all but three all but songs. Three songs. <laughs> good, that's a good scenario. Good way to look at it. <laughs> right. Well, so you got three songs until your battery runs out. That's right. Then you can make a battery out of a potato. So. Well, you know. If, <laughs> The people on Gilligan's Island were that damn smart. How they could got the why, could, why couldn't they get you off the island? If you've got the professor around, you can do anything. Okay. All right. So that's where we're at. Give me your first one. Let's let's well, hear I, it. I did – I'm going to start with my honorable mentions actually and I'll tell you why. Because I always thought that I have some, some songs that are my favorite songs. And you would think, well, you're going to want these if you're stranded on a desert island. But I got to thinking about it longer and I'm like, maybe not. So Southern Cross by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. It's probably in my top five. That's a uh, that's a great songs. choice. It, it, this is just an honorable mention. It's not one of my oh, it's favorite. honorable no. mention. Well, and, so, so is Wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dishonorable mention. <laughs> a dis- hey, so Southern Cross because I just don't, love the song and dis- I love Gordo. I love uh, I love harmony and I just love the song. I've always loved it. And then uh, you know, and, uh, the Eagles are my favorite group, so I would probably want an Eagles song. And Hotel California is probably the quintessential Eagle song. But I did not put those on my uh, top list. So my third pick is um, I have to have a Broadway musical, some kind of Broadway musicals. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. So I kind of did category. I kind of did like covering the spectrum. So my Broadway musical song is One Day More from Les Miserables <laughs> because – it is inspirational. It's inspirational. It's a big number. It's a you know, it's uh into the first act and that kind of thing and and you have all these different characters that you get to sing, you know. You get to sing almost every character in the show. So one day more from Les Mis would be one of my three songs that I would take. Well that's Another Day, Another Destiny. Well that's that's <laughs> well picked and well thought out. Yeah. Unlike most of the, my picks. It's kind of sad I, too if you think about it because it's like you wake up and you're still on the island one day more. Well, that was yeah. the thing that I thought about. I thought, okay, you're on the island. Now, 
are you going to pick songs that are just going to depress you even more than you yeah, are already? Yeah. And when you you're sitting there that. eating coconuts, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, and raw fish. It's, yeah. You're not going to be in a real good mood. So the wait first, a minute before you go on. Speaking of raw fish. <laughs> Well, but, I, I guess we are now. I gotta di- diverge because that just brings to mind the one of my favorite scenes from Castaway. <laughs> He's been on the island for four years, and they finally rescue him, and they bring him back to this big reception, and they have a big seafood buffet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the irony. And he's like looking at all these shrimp and <laughs> crab going, and they're like, he's going, oh, yeah. yay. No, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Okay. Sorry, fish. I had to digress. That's, no, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. So the, the first one that I picked, I think I wanted something that would make me happy. Yes. You know, and there is, there is one song that I think, uh, makes me happy every time if it's at the party or I request it or what have you. It just makes me smile. Yes, yes. Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Let's groove tonight, baby. Nice. So let's okay. do it. You know, right. 1981. It was in the Rays album. September, another one. You know, they 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 were a fun band, uh, kind of coming out of the disco thing, but you know, still. No, I, I get it. Still R and B. You know, they, Earth, Wind, they, and Fire, great choice. But uh, yeah, I almost went with the Casey and the Sunshine Band song for that same reason. Well, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, you know, horns. You know, good beat. We saw Casey Easy in the to Sunshine Band too. <laughs> well, he did a show for the uh, hospital association. We went down for the Christmas party. Let me tell you something. That guy left it all on the stage. I, He's a little bigger, but I'll tell you what, he gave a hell of a show. That was a big show. It had the horns. You bet. Gosh, they had dancers. I mean, it was, yep. it was Vegas. We, it was really good. When I worked for American Express, Casey and the Sunshine Pan played on one of our national sales meetings at the party one night and they rocked the house. Yeah. And they did a great job. I mean, they're great performers. Well, that's just a great show. It's just, yeah. I mean, he's got a his book. You know, there's another guy. You know, you you start listening, and you're going, oh, forgot about that one. Yeah, that was a good song. Yeah, you bet. That was a lot they of fun. They had a good run. Yeah, they did have a they yeah. did have. He's still he's still running. No, I, I like that choice. I I I, I agree. Um, so my second choice is uh, it comes from childhood because of my roots, and I know we. We stay away from politics and religion on this show, but this is a an inspirational song of faith, and it's How Great Thou Art. And it's simply because it's one of the first hymns I ever learned as a kid. And I think there have been some great renditions of it. Carrie Underwood, Elvis yep. does a great version. And I think if you think about being stranded and you need some sort of inspiration and some sort of a pick me up or some something to get you out of the doldrums or whatever. I just think it could be something that could maybe lift your spirits a little bit. So that would be my choice. You, do, you, um, do you realize my connection with that song is the very first time I ever sang in front of other people. Jody Farmer uh, had us do "How Great Thou Art," and I had it was the first time I had to do it in parts. I didn't realize that you only. You you had parts that didn't sound yeah. like the melody, yeah. and it was hard. Yeah, <laughs> the first time I did it, I did but not we, know that. But we did. I did that for a recital, actually, over the Methodist Church. That's actually so, uh, as a little little kid with my sister playing accompanying me on piano. That is also the first song I ever sang a solo to, and I probably church. sucked. It was hard. Yeah, it, I know, was little. Bitty. I was like, 
I, I, I can't. I don't want to listen to these other people that are messing me up. I'm, I learned it this way, and the melody person. I want to sing with the melody person. I yeah. know. I know that you know how it goes. But yeah, there's pride to be had in being able to hold a harmonic part, though. I, I'm, I've always believed that. It takes practice. I mean, yeah. I got. Takes I got, a good ear. I got better at it as you know, as because I couldn't read music. So as I went through, I'm not so sure that I wasn't so young that I didn't stand on the piano bench next to my sister as she played. I was. I was little. <laughs> I was very little. Yep. Um, there may be a picture of that somewhere, but yep. Um, but anyway, that's my number two. Okay. Well, you know, everybody would expect that uh, if I'm on an island, which is a tropical setting, that I would pick a tropical song. No. And I I only have a cadre of a few thousand that I could pick from, but I'll tell you the one that I really like the best. I'm interested to hear this because I I know this genre is going to be right up your alley. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, the the album Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes by Jimmy was uh, was a a huge album. Yeah, and the song itself is is one of my absolute favorites because it's got. It's got some lines in it that I I think are meaningful in life. They're poetry. Uh, yesterday's over my shoulder. I can't look back for too long. You know, yeah. there's too much to see waiting in front of me. Yeah. I think is a good way to live your life. You know, I think everybody that's big parrot head can always find some inspiration and some lines in Jimmy's songs because he he was a storyteller. Yeah. And that was an that was an incredibly important album in 1977 because it had a little song on it called margaritaville yeah and so he had uh you know he had several actually albums before that so ten, oh, ten, yeah. cup, 10 cup chalice is, is another one of my absolute favorites and and there's there's several others but um cowboy Jay, in the jungle uh, uh, there's uh, i love cowboy Cap, in the jungle. Cap, captain and the kid i think is a, one of his beautiful pirate looks ballad. at 40 yep yeah there's a lot of coast them. of marseille coast of marseille yeah son of a son of a sailor yeah Great lyrics. Our friend uh, Dave Baker does Coast of Marseille. I know. Believe me, he does it well. Uh, Keith, Keith Sykes would be proud if yes. he heard that version. Of he does his, it really well of his song. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's a great. Prob- that's a great song. I'd probably have to have. I got to have a little JB on the island with me. Oh yeah. So, son of a son of a sailor was the Jimmy Buffett album that. It's where I first got turned on to him. Right. So that will always hold a special place in my. In my heart, and we've got you know I've got my buddy uh, uh, John Boy John Burns has got a really good podcast that has sort of been a chronicle uh, a history of of trap rock music, and he's had all these these folks on, and they ask you know what is some of your what do you think is best songs for Jimmy that you know, and it's really funny to hear some of these artists and and what songs that they've picked, yeah. But uh, or what album? You know the A one A album. A lot of them say, "Well, that was that was it." You know, or the Pink Crustaceans album, or but whatever. Don't, don't you think that it that all is so subjective based on where you are in your life? Oh, sure. What's happening? How it hits you emotionally? What what lyrics resonate with you? What songs talk to you? Sure. I mean, music is so emotional for me, anyway. Yeah. And has such a, a soulful good music has such a soulful connection. Yep. That what you know, what works for me may not work for you. Right. Yeah. Because I tie different emotional memories and responses and sense memories to it that you don't have that experience. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I get it. There's no right or wrong to this. No. I so. mean that's 
why we do this podcast. We That's just exactly kind of right. we just kind of offer, our, <laughs> we throw it out there and hope you guys you know play along, t- talk about it. Hope yeah. you play the home game. Play the home game. All right. So my number three is very similar to your number one choice in that I knew if I was going to be on a desert island, I would need to have something that would be upbeat and uplifting, and that you, to quote my wife. You can't not dance to. There you go. Anytime you hear it, you have to get up and move. And I narrowed it down to two. <laughs> and one of them, I, the one I didn't pick was Uptown Funk. You, you can't. You can't, you can't not. You can't sit still you with can't. Uptown Funk. Nope. The reason I didn't pick it is it. I'm a big melody guy and it doesn't have as much. It's not as melodic as the one that I did choose. And again, time and space and where I was in my life. So I chose. Well, you can't tell by the way I use my back. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. The Bee Gees, staying alive. You know, and I actually played them. I sat, you know, I sat there and I, I was like, Alexa, play this, play that, and I listened to them both. And I was like, it's got to be staying alive. Well, first of all, the subtext of being on a cast. Cast away on an island and staying alive. You got to stay alive, man. You got to survive, right? Yeah. So I like that part of it. And it's just, you cannot sit still with that song. Even if you're sitting, it's like, you got to move. You got to right. move, man. It's just, and disco, you know, we came up in the disco era. I know it, people make fun of disco, but it had its place. It, the Bee Gees were great. They were phenomenal. The, the Bee Gees. The soundtrack t- to that movie t- was phenomenal. I'll tell you what, Keith, the, the, for those of you that are Bee Gees fans, I think you'll agree with me. Some of the the, the early stuff, Massachusetts, and uh, some of the the harmonies, and uh, they're just beautiful songs. I there's mean, a great be- before seventy five. Oh yeah, you know there's that. a great Bee Gees documentary out there yeah. that you need to watch. Yeah, it's very good. No, yeah. they were. That's a great choice. Go back and look at the Bee Gees greatest hits because I think people tune them out. Uh, after Saturday Night Fever album came right. out, yeah. they did some amazing stuff before that. I can't remember the album, but I think it was the one right after the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. That was my favorite album. Of, and, and you know, I know the cover. The cover was the three of them in like bomber jackets with like you know scarves and silk scarves tied around their neck. The Children of the World was the Bee Gees album I, that I fell in love with. It's, it was a great album, I thought. So, Children of the World. I, I got it right after I bought my first real new stereo that had like really big woofers and yeah. speakers, you know, post-college. One of those where you look, the, the, the needle, you know, has a little needle lowering arm and it goes down real slow. And yeah, that was cool. That's what I got in there. The floating. I yeah, know, I know. Yeah. And what's the sad wind. is there's one left. I mean, yeah, I know. And, uh, and and he is and he's he is so incredibly talented. Yeah. I mean, and he's and I I saw read something. I mean, he's working. Everybody wants to work with him. That's a good choice. I like that. That's I, a good I, choice. I, so I went with staying alive over Uptown Funk, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, my number one is is a song that um, it is it is probably one of the best songs ever written. I think it is one of my most inspirational songs ever, and uh, I think there's probably a few people that would probably agree with me. And I think the person that actually sang this song said, "Of every, if there was ever one song that I could have wished that I could have written, this would be it." You know what I'm? You know which one I'm talking about? No, the dance. The dance. 
Well, I, you know, and I, I and I thought about it, but I thought, you know, maybe I, I would almost, just maybe I'd just walk into the sea and end it all after. I, but I know it's it's not though. It's to me, it's I think it's an inspirational song, and I don't know if you heard the Kennedy Center honors. Yes, we watched it, and I thought Kelly Clarkson's version was unbelievable. Thought she did a great job. That was a great show, by the way. That is always a great show. It is. I love watching that show. Either even if I'm not. All that crazy about one performer or another, you learn about them. You know, they do such a nice biography of them and their work. I, I, I love that show. I love the choice, Brad. I struggled that I didn't have a country song in my top three, and it would have been a Garth song, and it probably would have been the dance or the river. Yeah, the river. And, uh, um, yeah, that's, I thought about that too. The, the river is also. Yeah, uh, just an amazing. So great show. choice. No, I don't think you can go wrong there. But you're right; it can tend to maybe. It, it yeah, it's not a toe tapper. It's not sad. It's, it's not sad. It's, it's not sad. But it's. I think the message is when you think back on your life. Yeah. You know, I could have. I could have done this, but I didn't. Yeah. You know, I yeah. took it. I maybe took the hard way. You make choices in life. Yep. You make choices. But Tony Arata is the one that wrote that song. I didn't know that. Tony Arata wrote that song, and Garth heard it for the first time. Where? At the Bluebird, Bluebird Cafe. Cafe. I've heard that story. And he said, oh, man. Garth tells that story got, on his documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one which is of the very good. best documentaries. You bet. Oh, by the way, the other night, I had a dream. <laughs> And it is a dream, folks. This is a this is more than a dream. This is a fantasy. I sent Aaron Hart a note, and Aaron was our very Aaron first, our first guest. guest. Yeah. And we're going to have her and Matt on one of these days. I sent her a note. I said, "Oh, by the way, last night I had a uh, I had a dream that Garth Brooks came down to the Bon Vivant International Media Center, <laughs> and we did it, and we did a uh, and we did an interview with him, and uh, he had so such a good time. It ended up being like three hours, and then we went up on the deck, and we had a great time. Party, so, yeah, and we partied with Garth Brooks, and she well, said, she said, dream on, man.' I said, but it was so vivid, it was so cool, it could we, happen." And we just sat here, and he was just he he was everything that we thought he would be. He was so gracious. But uh, anyway, G man, you know, if you'd like to be on the We Like That Too podcast, you can come on you with Amanda and Vanessa, and that would be well, like the best show. No, we ever. need those in two separate shows. <laughs> we need to get four episodes out of that. <laughs> so let's just put it out there that. There's an open invitation. There's an open invitation. And we will pretty much drop whatever we're doing to we make will, that happen. We will go to Oklahoma. Or we'll we go will anywhere. go to Nashville. Either either way. And Miss Trisha can even come too. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's a package deal. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. So, that would just oh, – awesome. So we got to go. Well, no, no. We're good. But uh, this has been fun. This was not an easy category, I have to say. You know, you <laughs> ask me this tomorrow, I'd probably come up with, easily come up with three other songs. We could have narrowed it and actually said – the top three Broadway musical songs. We may have to, we may have to go back. You know, on, when, you know when we could have narrowed it down. Just when to, we're in just, year fifteen uh, of the podcast, we probably are going to have to start doing stuff like that. You know, <laughs> it will avoid brain cramps. Like yeah, we've gotten no some. Yep. Well, thanks for tuning in again, Bon Vivants out there. It's always fun, and we hope you're having as much fun as we do. We got visit, fun. We got some fun stuff coming up. Too. Visit the web. Yes, yep. we do. And visit the website. Visit the Facebook page. Post, share, like, 
and send us some ideas for top three categories, please. Yeah, I do. Just post them. Yep. Good to see you. Good to see you, brother. All right, man. All right. Till next time. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we, we like, like that, that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.